We've been waiting a long time for this. Have we? Well, we've been saying we're going to talk about it for a while. And we've been holding off. Just so that we don't blow our load too quick. Which is always worrying. It is. It's a common occurrence. Yeah. There's anyway. a website that deals with that now, apparently. Keep seeing trailers for it at the cinema. Bit weird. <laughs> at the cinema as well. <laughs> I know. Anyway, so, <laughs> so what, what was today's podcast about? Today. It's not about uh, premature ejaculation, that's for sure. <laughs> we are talking today about. <laughs> I'm sorry, that stick on me a little bit. Uh, we are talking today about education, which is something we've been holding off talking about for a while because we got a lot to say about it. Um, so I'm sure this will probably break up into many, many episodes as we go. Um, but the particular title for this episode is why we need to reinvent education to stop stealing dreams. And um, with introductions, first of all, I'm going to remember to introduce myself this time. I am Wayne Ingram, actor, and sat alongside me, my good friend and yours... Jem Yildiz. Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, <laughs> so today uh, we're going to be talking, as I say, about education and how uh, schools are training uh, people with various assumptions in mind, um, structure of schools and how that may need to change, or probably does need to change, and um, how much school affects creativity and the like as well. Um, so we'll start with always with a quote from Sir Ken Robinson, who, if you've been listening to long enough, you know I've become a super fan boy. A super fan. So of... I thought I'd give uh, Wayne the honours to. Uh, you can actually do it in his voice if you want. I don't think I, I don't think I know him well enough to do his okay. voice yet. But we'll, we'll we'll just go with the quote. Uh, so the quote is. Um, Education can be stifling, no question about it. One of the reasons is that education, and American education in particular, because of the standardization, is the opposite of three principles I've outlined. It does not emphasize diversity or individuality. It's not about awakening the students. It's about compliance. And it has a very linear view of life, which is simply not the case with life at all. That's so very Ken well Robinson. there. Thank that you. That's pretty impressive. Three years of professional training for that. Oh, I see. That uh, was for that moment. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so um, I think Sir, Sir Ken is a is a leader, thought leader in terms of this sort of thing and, and kind of where education really is at fault. Um, well, not at fault. Um, there's a problem with it. Um, so, Jem, I know you've said to me that you've been doing a little bit of reading about kind of where the education structure started from. Do you want to touch on that a little bit first? Well, I mean, we spoke about it a lot in previous um, episodes as well, and it's all about this sort of um, industrial economy, which is where school, the schooling system started. So obviously there was um, a lot of people uh, working, um, there was a lot of jobs in factories, and it was sort of these repetitive tasks, and these factories realised, actually, we need people who are super compliant, who can come into the factory and do the jobs efficiently, and it might be very menial jobs, but we just need to have those kind of workers and so these um these sort of factories lobbied to the government and said look we need education system that promotes these kind of workers and so that's how schooling came about and so schooling initially was there to train our students to train young people to become efficient compliant workers in a factory setting and the problem with that is that that same system is in a waste i mean obviously there's been some changes but underneath that that's still happening today 
Okay. So you touched on the fact, and I just want to ask you this just in case you know, because I, I don't know. Um, you touched on the fact that the uh, industrialists, we'll call them, uh, were lobbying for, to have the education system changed. Is that right? Well, was it changed or was it no, to be I, set up? No, I think that's, that's why the schools were set up. They were, they were set up right. people to... It was um, because I think it was actually to... Um, I'm not a historian or anything like that. <laughs> But basically, it was the obviously the working class. They thought let's they 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 created schools to educate them to a certain level, so that they could become in the workplace. So they could come to the workplace, and so that level was just enough to be compliant to do these sort of factory jobs. Right. So the the sort of genesis of of public education was essentially to train people up to be able to work in a factory. Yeah. The right. general public. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So where then, I mean, if you look at where we are today, then how has the world shifted to make that irrelevant? I don't think it's completely irrelevant. Obviously, education needs to be there. People need to learn. That's part of, oh, yeah, I think obviously. that's part of a right to be able to learn. But the thing that has changed is the way that we work. And so to be honest, as we've, as we've seen is that um, factories have closed down. I mean, for economies of scale, a lot of these factories are now abroad where labour is cheap. And Particularly so, here in the UK. Exactly. We don't, we don't do much manufacturing anymore, yet the schooling system is still training people. I mean, okay, if, if we were going to have our, our young people go to schools to train in that way, yeah, they'd probably be great at working in maybe that factory, factory in India or wherever these factories, Turkey, wherever they're located. But things are changing now. The, the work that's actually in the UK is a whole different it requires people to be a little bit more creative and and suddenly this this sort of compliant worker who just does what they're told is not enough and it's not working and i think if you look at um our generation as well uh, i mean i'm particularly awful at this but if somebody tells me no that's the way it's done and that's the end of it i'm like screw you like that's a bit blinkered vision um but yeah obviously they're They've been educated in the way of this is the system. Don't mess with the system. Just do do what we tell you to do and everything will be fine. The sort of textbook. No, this is the way it's always been done. This is how it should be done. Um, and do you think that has, because we're already in that sort of frame of mind, our generation where we're going, well, hang on, there's got to be a better way of doing that. Is that, do you think, because of education, the education system that we've got, or is that because of the change in modern society and and where things are now to be honest i think it's a bit of a mismatch at the moment because there are i mean there's still young people coming out of education who are quite happily would probably just they want that job they just want any job where they get to go to work and do that tar- that repetitive task and get their pay and a lot of us have trained that way i think that's why a lot of our um the older generation kind of don't understand it when we say oh well i don't feel i don't want to do this job because it's depressing and i all i have to do is sit on the telephone and reception keep answering the phone every day or i all I'm doing is the same thing over and over again. But their generation, it was such a norm. Like it was just normal to do that, to kind of go to work, do what you have to do. My mum worked in a factory. She did sewing. And it was just, that was just normal. Like you couldn't, you couldn't complain about that. But now things have moved so much ahead. All these jobs are sort of falling away. You've still got this, this whole load of um, young people coming out who are kind of expecting to have that factory job or to do that repetitive task that's what they've been trained to do in IT. You're still sort of told how to do like, I mean, accounting or very sort of admin clerical sort of work. 
And then you've got this other, which I think is is slowly, like you say, is, is becoming more of the majority, is maybe people who are thinking a bit differently, like, say, me and you, and they're saying, wait, wait a minute, I want more out of life than this. And I don't know whether that's us being our first world problems and saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but I think we're coming out saying, actually, I want more than that. My, my job can't just be this repetitive task. And we've spoke about in previous episodes how a lot of those, if there are repetitive tasks in the UK or in America or wherever, they're being out they're being given to machines as well now and so there's this there's this huge problem here and that's probably a lot to do with why there's so much unemployment because you've got all these young people who are like well the, the jobs i was trained for aren't available anymore but the jobs i want to do i don't really know how to do it or i don't know how to create something for myself i don't have been trained to be entrepreneurial and that's where there's a huge gap yeah and i i've been saying to you for quite a while that I think one of the major issues I see in the education system beyond creativity is the fact that it just doesn't teach entrepreneurial skills at all. It does, and I think I may have mentioned it on a previous episode as well. It doesn't. It doesn't teach us to kind of look at things and kind of go well, and to create our own businesses. It doesn't teach you to do that. It will teach you how a business works. It will teach you, you know, if you do business studies, it teach you, you know, how to do the accounts of a business. But it doesn't actually say. You could make a business out of this problem or look at the world and look at the problems that there are. Is there a business opportunity there? It doesn't teach that skill at, at all. And um, so obviously with the kind of industrial revolution and how that kind of came about and everything, uh, the school system that we have was built upon certain assumptions. Um, and I think Ke- uh, Ken Robinson says, you know, we are teaching people for the next 65 years of their life or the next 45 years of their life or whatever. When kids go to school, I suppose it is 65 years. Uh, but regardless, we're teaching them for the next 65 years of their life. And we don't know what the world's going to look like in 10 years' time, let alone 65 years' time. Um, so we're making the... Even there, we've got an assumption of the fact that the world is going to be exactly the same in 65 years' time as it is now. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of what other assumptions do you think that the school system is making if if any well i just want to tap on that point you say there like obviously people are saying that technology is changing every year every year there's a new phone there's new technology coming about and yet this like you say the educational system is is playing that long game it's like well this is how it's going to be but everything that's happening in our world is 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 like turning over so fast like these new social media platforms they turn over so fast and and yeah i think it's just it's quite scary that we still have that very long-term vision yeah, the world doesn't work that way anymore. So, so what was your question again? Um, so what other assumptions are the, is the school system built upon that may have changed? To be honest, I think the assumptions are still there, but it's like people are, I think, I don't, well, the people who are obviously in control of this school system, it's kind of like, it's such a big institution, like where do you start? And so they've just sort of clung, like sort of just keeping up hold of those sort of assumptions and like, hoping that maybe they can keep hold of the way things are. Yeah. But it's like inevitable that things are going to change. They're already changing. And this, the, the impact of um, the way the education system has been for us, for people like my brother who's still at school, it's going to have the impact. It's having an impact now. We've got all these young people who are out of work, who are, I mean, I'd say a lot of the majority are in work that they probably don't actually enjoy. And, and that's what I think. I think it's having an impact now. And their assumptions are just old. They're old. They're still stuck in the same assumptions and they need to reassess those assumptions. Yeah, yeah. I did have a point, but it's just no. I think I think as well. Like you can't, um, like we said, if it's changing that rapidly, 
obviously it's it's a difficult job. I'm not like you can't. It's good that governments are. We're lucky that we live in a society where education yeah, is absolutely. is available. But absolutely. I mean, we're lucky enough that we can actually have a complaint about it as well. I mean, people might say, "Well, you're very lucky that you got that level." But the society we live in, that level is just not good enough for us, especially yeah. if we want to survive and we've got these bills to pay and we want to just live a life that is, I mean, obviously go into, are we a bit over the top about the kind of life we want to live? But yeah, we need to, the education needs to change um, a lot to support the way we are now living in our society. Yeah, absolutely. And do, and this was the point that I was going to make is... Um, do you think that part of the problem with the education system is almost like they say with software, if you're making a new computer program, after a while, it gets so bogged down with all that came in the previous versions that it becomes very difficult to to improve it to a significant level. Um, and they call it legacy. Is there too much legacy in the current school system that actually we need to just scrap the whole thing and start afresh? I think, to be honest, that probably hits the nail on the head. That is so true. Like there's such a system in place that it has to have all these certain formula formulas work in this formulation that to, to, to whoever whoever's powerful enough up there who can make that decision it's such a huge huge decision how do you sort of phase in a whole new way of schooling like you could, i mean slowly they put up um like whiteboards that now have the computer screen on it i mean that's a li- that's like sort of just the icing on top of the bigger problem it's kind yeah. of like we'll bring technology slightly in but all it is is a white it's a, they actually have whiteboards that are next to no they have them next but your actual the, the technology in the classroom is basically a computerized whiteboard yeah it's not integrating with the students and saying okay have your own ipads or use your phones to learn it's kind of like they they're trying to say oh yeah we're moving forward and we are we're trying we're trying to do it. but i think it's like that. There is that legacy, but it needs it needs to be totally scrapped and start again with a whole new way of doing things. Yeah, and I think I just want to touch on the technology side of things, actually, because I think one of the key problems that we've got as well, beyond the lack of entrepreneurial skill, is the fact that the generation that is going through school at the moment, and it started off with, with people our age, but obviously is much more impactful younger, because smartphones only came in the last... 10 years mm-hmm. um, we're in a position where kids for the vast majority of their time have access to the internet non-stop mm-hmm. and in order to teach kids and I think this is so backwards in order to teach kids how the world works a world which is connected 24-7 we put them into a classroom and we go right turn your phones off no internet no messages no nothing you're just going to sit got books and we've got a whiteboard albeit a computerized whiteboard but a whiteboard and, all the same. and then with a pen and paper they've got to write down yeah from the textbook straight to the book yeah and it's kind of like it's like um we're teaching 21st century kids how to live in the 20th century <laughs> straight there that's a huge problem i think definitely definitely and i think um uh, ken robinson said himself as well he's like these these young people who are growing up like technology is not technology if you were born with it around in a way Mm. and so to be honest these mobile phones these devices are not just something that they have as a commodity they're actually like part of that person they're like they become utilities for education but we're we're taking away something that is actually enhancing their ability Mm. to learn yeah just to keep them doing it the old-fashioned way yeah and i i've heard so many teenagers say i feel naked without my phone and okay, yes, there's probably some problem there which probably should be dealt with. But the point is, is people will feel lost without their technology. 
And of course they do, because they've grown up with it. They've grown up knowing how to use this and knowing that, for example, if I watch a film and I go, I've seen that actor in something. Just go, IMDb, what's the film? Okay, so click on their profile. These are all the... Oh, that's what I saw them in. Within 10 seconds, I, I, I've answered my question. Within 10 seconds. And that is actually the thing that kids have grown up being able to do. They have a question. I mean, particularly if you've got Siri on your phone. <laughs> now you literally just go, what's the answer to this question, Siri? And Siri will go, okay, well, I'll go look that up for you. Oh, here's the answer. And, and the issue is, is we're putting people in classrooms and going, right, you can't get the answer in, in 10 seconds. You have to sit and work it out. Like You're you going to have to flick for a book that takes forever just to yeah. find the answer that you could probably... <laughs> and okay, yes, you could say that that's trying to teach problem solving. But what's the point in teaching someone how to solve a problem the way the problem was solved 100 years ago when you can teach them how to solve the problem in the current day and age? It just seems so archaic. <laughs> it's a really uh, good it, point. It's it, it just, as I say, that we're teaching people in the 21st century how to live in the 20th century. And there is no way, there is no way at all that 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 style of working out problems is going to survive 10 years, let alone a year, because that, that system's already gone. It's like taking a calculator away from someone. I mean, my dad tells me how, when he was a kid, the calculator was the pinnacle of technology. <laughs> he was like, it used to cost you a bomb. and Because you, nan- you could spell boobies upside down. <laughs> <on> the- <laughs> yeah. Well, he was like, he's, he's like, I've still got my old calculator that my mum bought me in the loft somewhere. She spent a fortune on it. And that was the pinnacle of technology. And it's like, okay. But I remember not even being allowed a calculator in a classroom. Nope, calculators away. All right. <laughs> that in itself is a problem. And then the fact that we're saying, okay, well, now no smartphones away and still no calculators. Mm-hmm. Still no calculators a lot of time. No, you've got to be able to do this in your head. And it's like, okay, I understand the need to be able to do that. But it gets to a point where you actually have to surpass that and go, okay, you've got that basic skill now because we've taught you that over the last five years of your education. Now let's bring the technology in and teach you how to use the technology, but we're not really even doing that either. And it's just, it's just a huge issue that I think we, we really need to get over in the educational industries is, yes, okay, we need to have these skills, but we need to also be able to apply modern skills into a modern society. So, I mean, there's a lot of um, these new sort of platforms around and new sort of way of thinking about scores. And obviously we want to talk about some examples. Um, would you like to start off? Because I think you were saying there's these sort of... Um, new Steve Jobs sort of schools. Are they, are they leading the way? Could you explain what they're all about? Um, yeah, so these are, they are actually called Steve Jobs schools. That's oh, actually, actually the are. brand of them, <laughs> which I think is a bit weird. Um, but basically, they're in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the Never- I think it's several cities across the ne- Netherlands. Um, and basically, they are these schools which are essentially open 24-7. But the reason they're open 24-7 is they're virtual schools, in a sense. Um, so basically you have this building, which is the actual school itself, and that is where you go for your recreational activities. So doing performance, doing painting, doing, or, or even a place where kids can go to collaborate. Um, and they have, they each have an iPad, which has got, um, access to lessons on there and they can do projects and they can collaborate online doing their projects and they can FaceTime their teachers if they have any questions like that they can do the subjects that they want to do um and the teacher actually take the teachers are still there but they actually take the role of a coach rather than an educator because all of the education material is on this technology um on the ipad so they can learn as you would in the modern society 
and of looking something up, clicking on a link and finding out more about it that way. Um, and then the teachers, so they'll have personal projects to work on. So, uh, for example, let's say a project on Albert Einstein that they've got to do, uh, which they opt into as well. And this is the genius part of it is, is you're opting into subjects other than as opposed to being forced to do French, which I hated. I hated. <laughs> uh, but you, so you opt into certain subjects and the whole time the parent has access to their, on, their uh, kids' online stats so they can see how well they've been doing at school. They can see what they've been working on. And so the, the, the uh, parent can intervene and say, OK, well, I actually would quite like you to actually learn some of that and say to the coaches, yeah, we'd quite like them to work on that sort of project. And so they can go into these actual physical buildings and, and interact with other kids and collaborate on projects because that's the thing some of the projects are group projects as well so they're still interacting with other students they work on those projects and the the coaches are there to teach them certain skills that they might need to complete those projects and and sometimes they'll take a class and you shed there's like scheduled classes as well which you can opt into where you can actually go into the physical building and actually have a conventional class as well so it's got the option of standard education as we know today but it's much more independent study it's much more technology based which i think is so important because whilst they're learning what they're learning they're also learning how to use technology and how they can create with technology and they do art projects they do and all that sort of stuff so it's it's independent learning with a modern twist with also coaches available to intervene should they need to and help build the children as as people as opposed to just another student um i mean you can check it out online and throw in a lot more detail about it than that but that's the general gist of kind of what it is what i really like about that is how you spoke about instead of saying teacher which is i think i think that's one of the really bad things what we do is that which I feel sorry for teachers because they sort of are trained up to then give sort of um, just give young people that information based on the the ability that that, that young person can then transmit that information again. Mm-hmm. Whereas what I love about the idea of having a coach, and I've read so much about this, especially in the book called Average is Over, is the importance in the future, a coach is going to come way, this sort of coaching, this sort of being able to work with people is become going to become so important. It's not going to be so much about, I'm going to tell you, give you that book to start learning and i'm going to test you on it the coach is somebody who trains somebody to be actively curious on something they're passionate about like you said there if if the if the parent comes along and says well but he's um he's really gone a bit crazy about this sort of the art stuff but i think he might need some logic what the coach then does instead of saying well it's part of the curriculum you have to do maths it's about saying well he really loves art and i know he loves art so it's more of a personal relationship so i need to tell him how art how maths plays a part in his art and it's bringing it in to their spectrum on a personal level not just saying you have to do this and i think that's the problem with a lot of the education is that teachers are given these curriculums that the uh, young people have to do and it's kind of like you have to do this without say without actually just talking to the young person and saying how it applies to that young person find out what are they passionate about what do they they want and i know it's difficult because obviously classrooms are getting bigger teachers are stretched how personal can you be but that's where technology is amazing because technology is that one-to-one imagine just being able to skype your tutor or i mean you at university we've got to email our tutor and i love that that if i email my tutor he's going to email me back but these younger people who are great with technology 
aren't getting that sort of personal connection with the teachers that you might get i mean you get a couple of students are sort of like teachers pet or the pet the teacher kind of spends a bit more time with them and they know them on a one-to-one basis and usually that probably that student will probably excel because the teacher's going to send stuff that way that he feels is right for that person yeah but technology is going to kind of it does increase that really personal connection and i really love the thought of like teachers being coaches yeah, and, and I actually, when I was uh, doing a little bit more research into Steve Jobs' schools uh, in preparation for the episode, I actually read some of the comments underneath um, an article. And actually, I saw a lot of stuff which actually made me worry because it was clearly people that didn't understand because a lot of the negative stuff was, well, you cannot uh, replace, use technology to replace social interaction or, you know, and and... No, you can't you can't replace a textbook with technology and even to the point people go in yeah but screens are bad for your eyes it's like you miss it you're missing the point yeah the point is not to take you out of the classroom and to say okay you're not allowed to interact with anyone in fact they promote interaction they promote group projects they promote collaboration and to do that you go into this building and that's what the building is for the building is there for the social side i mean we said i think we were saying in a few weeks ago in a conversation with the way the education system is now, my kids, I'd rather homeschool them. But and, and I think you said the same. But the reason, the thing that's stopping me from even considering that as an option at the moment, even though I don't have kids, but as a f- kind of future <laughs> future perspective, is that on the assumption that you find a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, on that assumption, uh, <laughs> is the fact that I am worried that if I homeschool my kids, they're going to have no social skills. And this is actually where people are making the assumption about the Steve Jobs school. But actually, the point is, you go to, you go to this, so, this social building for that. That's what that is for. The actual education, the classroom stuff, that where you're not allowed to socialise with anyone in the in current uh, state anyway. Like, stop talking. In the amount of parents' evenings. Yes, well, he talks too much, you know, and that sort of thing. That's all done with technology. Well, you've got to think about it. I mean, you've got these young people online and they if, if you find groups of people that you're passionate about and they're they're talking about, the, they're learning the things you're passionate about. I mean, young people are using technology to meet up in the um, the local uh, supermarket or the local um, shopping centre. Hmm. So you're telling me that if, if a young person has a group of friends at school and then it says, oh, do you want to go? Should we all meet up? We can on technology. Let's all meet up at this hub where we can talk we can socialize as well as talk about our work and then we go home and we then learn at our own pace online i can contact my teacher if i need to it's more personalized because in is you've got that i like that sort of you're doing it i think the thing is as well i can see from my younger brother like he's he's um i think he's 13 but he's such a self-learner and he self he learns fast my brother is exactly he, the he same. learns really quick and it's because it's like it's too slow and when Obviously, education, when it's in front of a class, a teacher has to set a sort of average pace. But that's assuming that everybody's on the same, in the same sort of mind, like they, they learn fast or they already say there's several ways that people learn, whether people are more audio, more visual. And so actually, by separating the classroom and saying, OK, learn on your own time, but use it as a social space, it's so good because that gives, that gives the, the student the power to be in control of their education, the speed of their education. And the way they want to be educated. Yeah, definitely. And you're talking about your your brother, but my brother's very similar. My brother is an absolute absorber of knowledge. I will go. I will go back to visit my parents, and he will just throw out all of these little facts 
about stuff that he is passionate about. And that is the real key that I think so many people are missing is the fact that because we're built on this industrial revolution system where maths, English and science is at the top, not everybody cares about maths, English and science. Of those three, my favourite was English. And you can probably imagine why. Because I'm an actor, so stories are important to me. And, and storytelling. And, and, you know, we, we dealt with Shakespeare and stuff. I didn't give a damn about maths and I didn't give a damn about science because they had no interest to me beyond um, sort of low-level science where it's literally how the world works as opposed to, you know, how genetics works. Like, why do I need to know about genetics? I don't need to know. But then, okay, it might be useful for me to know if I go into that field, but I know I'm not going into that field. And if I do need to find out any level of stuff for my acting career, let's say I'm playing a geneticist, I'll go on the internet and I'll find out what I need to know, and no more than that. But that's what I'm saying. So, but in that case, the teacher, if you had this, if you was at the Steve Jobs school and they, your parent called in and said, well, actually, Wayne's kind of, he's gone really a bit over the top with this whole acting creative. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's running around the, uh, the college thinking he's Shakespeare shouting all kinds of, I don't know, monologues out. But then they would say, oh, well, if you need to, if he needs to have a bit of science, maybe bring in how that could apply to what you're creative about. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I do think people need to have a sort of rounded education. It's nice to know about things, but yeah. it's, it's in a way that it applies to what you enjoy. Yeah. And that's what obviously the schooling for nowadays is really just not doing it. Sort of just do this. And you don't even get a reason most of the time why you do it. I think you go, I went through school, not quite understanding. <laughs> you don't, you're young. You're just doing yeah. what you're told. And so you don't know why you're doing it. And you, even my brother comes home like, why am I learning this? Why am I learning that? He doesn't understand, and the teacher's not there to explain why you're learning it. The teacher's been told that this is what you need to teach this person so that he can do that test, so that we can grade him, so that when he goes out into the big world, the factory that no longer exists can categorise him and find out what he would have been good doing repetitively. repetitively. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. Um, and you wanted to, uh, I mean, I know we're running out of time a little bit, but you wanted to touch on these things called Khan Academies, which I'm not too familiar with. Do you want to? Well, the Khan Academy is actually like an online, it's just like I talk, it's very, well, kind of similar to, say, this, um, your, you choosing your learning. Khan Academy is set up where teachers are online, put their, they record their, their um, lectures, and so that students anywhere in the world, it's free, open access education. It's a bit like YouTube in a way, but they're really specialised in education, putting all the topics on there, so that anybody anywhere in the world can learn whatever they whatever they want really and so they're building these courses up where somebody who maybe didn't have access to education if they've got an internet connection they can do a degree right so it's open education for everyone it's kind of similar to the itunes u thing which uh, i don't know if you've heard, about, really that. heard about that it's um, essentially i don't think it's as in-depth as the Khan academy but it's um it's basically an educational arm of iTunes. So you download iTunes U, which is an app, and you can apply to courses, which universities are putting out. So they'll publish lectures from their courses and, and textbooks, and they'll give you homework and stuff to do um, and, and things like that, which you can just um, subscribe to and, and kind of go through that. I don't think it's as in-depth as the Khan Academy, but it's that sort of, that sort mm-hmm. of thing, yeah? It's, again, it's just that sort of you selecting what you want to learn, and it's open access, which is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you mentioned as well, like how teachers um, are kind of told what to teach, not why they need to teach it, but just what to teach, how to teach it, and and, and kind of the structure in which it should be taught. Um, how do, how how is that an outdated system? Because I know we kind of touched on it. Do you just want to kind of go deeper into that? 
Yeah, I think there's a there's a big problem as well. I think we were we were sort of having a quick joke about it before we start recording, and a lot of I mean I hear it a lot from a lot of like the graduates who have left university. They say I'll give it a couple of years trying to do what I kind of want to get into, and if all else fails, I'll become a teacher, which is really scary because it's kind of teachers need to be tash- need to be passionate about teaching. You don't go into it as a sort of fallback, and I think it's so dangerous yeah. to do that. But the option is there to do it as a fallback because. You're going to be taught how to teach, what to teach, and in the structured environment. But you get teachers who are out there who are amazing at teaching. They teach in a whole different way, but they're not really allowed. Most of the time, they know that they're probably going against the grain. They probably get a lot of stick for doing it as well. Yeah. If you take your um, classroom outside or or you, um, I know you tell people they're allowed their mobile phones out in a class and you're going to teach them about, the I don't know, the internet or something like that, it might be frowned upon. And I think that that's a huge problem because I think that we should be empowering teachers and teachers should have a lot more control. I, I, Isaiah, I love this idea of a teacher as a coach that who's told, who just sort of becomes much more personal connection with the student and then just, and then teaches in their way. It's, it's, it's so wrong to kind of take away, like teaching is not like a, you can't structure teaching. Like there's no, um, there's no formula to it. It's a, it's a it's a relationship between two people. So how can you make it so formulate that you take out the you dehumanize teaching to this narrow structure that yeah. you think is going to apply to everybody? It's so wrong, and I feel bad for our teachers. And I think the people who do want to become teachers, they 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 become a teacher, and they go in with this idea of changing people's lives, and that's part of their passion. And they say there's the biggest amount of burnout. I've read about the fact that teachers have suffer from the biggest amount of burnout depression because the reason they got into teaching in the first place is because they were driven by this um this ability to change lives like to something i i like i like the idea that maybe someone might listen to podcasts and get something from it as a young person i want to empower young people i want to be empowered as a young person and if you're going into a classroom where you've gone in with that that ideal that way what you want to do and then then you're being told, actually, no, you can't do those things that you thought were going to be. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of teachers who go into the classroom and feel like I could have done more, but I can't because of da, 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 these restrictions, these regulations. And I think that's what's so wrong about this old system is that the teacher is just a sort of, it's like a television. It's just transmitting. They're not having any sort of personal connection. Yeah. And I think it's so damaging for young people. And I think you can tell, I mean, when I was at school, you can tell who the teachers are that are really passionate about what they're teaching and the way they're being able to teach it. And it really, really does shine through to the student. My favourite lessons were the ones where I really enjoyed the teacher. Mm-hmm. If I didn't enjoy that teacher, I didn't enjoy that subject. That, that was it. Well, to be honest, this morning, my little brother was like, Mum, can you write me a note for PE? I don't want to do PE. Mum's like, why don't you want to do PE? I don't like the teacher. There you go. I mean, my brother's a sporty boy. He's healthy, he's fit, but there's a problem that the te- he doesn't get on with the teacher or maybe something's just that teacher hasn't built a relationship with him. I loved my PE teacher. Um, he, I was the captain of the football team because we got on so well. He was my form tutor. I had such a relationship. I was so excited for PE, but it goes, that was because I've had a relationship and he treated me like a human being. He didn't just treat me as another person who is doing sport. Yeah. And obviously that's the problem there. My brother doesn't want to do sport because he doesn't like the teacher. The teacher is not a coach to him. The teacher yes. is someone who just tells him what to do because he's been told what he should tell the students to do. And there's yeah. no relationship there. You're not going to hang around with people you don't like. Yes. So why should a student do work for a teacher who doesn't really care for them? 
Yeah. And like, when I, going back to maths, English and science, I think I loved English so much because my teacher, when we were doing GCSE, was a real inspiration. For she, her heart was in performance. Her heart wasn't in English. Her heart was in performance. And so she loved doing Shakespeare. And she really, really, really pushed me and was so supportive of everything that I was trying to do. She gave me career advice. I don't care saying it. Her name is Miss Colin. And she is the just... She, I thank her so much for where I am and what I'm doing because she was the one that said, you can do what you want to do and here's how to do it. And I'll never forget, we were watching a Midsummer Night's Dream, a film version, because that's what we were studying at the time. And there was the play at the end. And it was just me, my mate James and her in absolute fits of laughter at the end of when they do this, this play within a play. And all the other students were looking at us as if we were balmy. And we just had this this three-way moment, which was just wonderful. We were in tears of laughter, and it was brilliant. And I I enjoyed English as much as I did when she was there. She left, unfortunately, in my final year of GCSEs. And okay, yeah, I still enjoyed English to a degree, but it was nowhere near on the level that it that it was and even now like we have each other on facebook as as facebook friends because we've de- we developed that relationship okay yeah we don't talk much but we we're, we're constantly keeping track of what everybody's up to and we'll occasionally send a message to each other every now very rarely but and i think that that is the real key i think to empowering education and empowering uh th- those relationships i think though that's that's the most important thing and if you look back at history and how people used to be educated before school came in it was an elder essentially that would say i've done all this i have done that i've worked through that and and apprenticeships as well the way you learn to skill is you'd become an apprentice and you'd have somebody that knows how to do it that's passionate about it because that's their career that's their job and they would then teach you how to do it and then once you've done that once they taught you, you would move on and you would become a master and you'd take on an apprenticeship because you're passionate about it. And that's, that's I think we've lost that somewhere. In this in this drive to make people more academic, we have lost that that key thing of that that apprenticeship relationship. I think that I think that's what we should be going or trying to go back to. And I think technology is a great vehicle for doing well. So do you think then that maybe it's not the way that the school has been teached, but it's maybe saying, well, these are kind of the things that need to be taught. Again, I'm against sort of like the um, the test, the GCSEAs and making people come at the end of it where they've got a, well, that will categorize you. Have you got an A or B, whatever else? I mean, yeah. it ha- I mean, does, does it have to be there? I'm not too sure. But maybe it starts from the teachers and it starts by these governments accepting that teachers need to be empowered we need to embrace technology and we need to go back to the roots of how we learn. We did learn in our tribes, there was an elder who taught you things which you were interested in. And maybe that's it. Again, maybe it goes back to what people say. We just need to go back to back to the old times in the yeah. way that people taught. Yeah. I, but I, using modern technology. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's the old fashioned relationships, which I think we've all fallen away from i think everybody's guilty we're losing touch of our actual emotional intelligence our i mean relationships and we've become more sort of private in our lives but technology has this massive ability to kind of use that to maybe use it as the way of reining things back in yeah and so maybe together we can use technology and sort of human emotions yeah to better better ourselves and the young people 
yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think that's actually a good place to wrap up because we have gone way over time. We've still got so much. I know. I feel like we didn't really touch on anything. We haven't even touched on creativity yet, and that's something that I, as you can imagine, I'm very, very passionate about. So we definitely have to start aside for another another episode. That's that's where I get I get really passionate. So yeah, we'll definitely have another episode, sort of really focusing on how how teachers can really push that sort of creativity creativity in young people, and also talk about what's what's happening right now that's sort of holding that back yeah definitely um, so, so we will finish with a quote from uh, one of Jem's favourite people yep it's uh, Mr Seth Godin and um, he says we need students who can learn how to learn who can discover how to push themselves and are generous enough and honest enough to engage with the outside world to make those dreams happen and I think that's what we were saying a bit in there about the coach the coach is there to help a student learn how to learn and that sort of having that choice of what do I want to learn, it's creating that sort of curiosity and that drive in young people. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And uh, Seth Godin also falls onto your recommended reading list, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think he's a bit of a ledge when it comes to this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's, he's basically put out a book, um, I think it was last year, and um, it's called Stop Stealing Dreams. And it's talking about, it talks a lot about this sort of stuff that we spoke about and how we do really need to empower um teachers and it's um a free there's a free ebook online if you search um stop stealing dreams seth godin and i think there's actually an audio version that's available for free as well another book is um seth godin's recent book which is the icarus deception which is a great book it kind of looks back at how we've kind of the mindset that we've been that's been put upon ourselves that kind of limits the things that we feel we can achieve um i thought we'd have to add it on the list it's uh sir, sir ken robinson's book the element and it's about how finding your passion changes everything. So yeah, check that out. And uh, last of all, a bit of a plug for myself, which is a, a blog that I wrote quite a while back. And it's um, it's actually not a blog. It's sort of a, it's got a lot of information. There's eight videos that will change the way you think about education. And I sort of sifted through it. So a lot of them are TED Talks. And it's just, again, it's these sort of conversations on education and where it needs to go. So yeah, definitely check that out. Okay, fantastic. So we have barely scratched the subject, uh, the surface of this subject um <laughs> we've got so much we want to say on it and i think we're definitely gonna to have to do more episodes about it um this is a particular call out to teachers first of all if there are any teachers out there that actually have an opinion on this um and, and how education can be changed and, and whether or not teachers are empowered enough or how they can be more empowered please send us an email um you can email me at wayne at powerfulnonsense.com or gem gem at powerfulnonsense.com and that's spelled c-e-m Okay, and, and also, of course, as always, if you've got any feedback at all, even if you're not a teacher, do email us as well. It'd be great to hear from you, um, particularly if you have any thoughts on this episode as well. Um, if you want to contact us on Twitter, you can contact me at Wayne underscore Ingram. And you can contact me on Twitter at C-K-Y-I-L-D-I-Z. And you have an upcoming ebook, don't you, Mr. Jem? Yes, an ebook is coming. It will be available on my um, website, powerful, on my blog, powerfulnonsense.com. If you sign up to a newsletter, it's going to be given out for free. So uh, get on there and it will be coming very soon, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told I have to uh, keep jabbing him to make sure it, it comes out on time. Do it. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and um, also, if you like what you're hearing as well, please do uh, leave a review on iTunes. It is super, super helpful to allow us to continue uh, producing this podcast and. and uh, bring great value and uh, what I think are becoming very, very good discussions um, on a regular basis for you guys. So please leave a review. It really, really does help us out. Um, 
yeah so education for you that that's it's, it's such a big topic we're never <laughs> going to get for it in a 40 minutes no, podcast absolutely but, not. <laughs> but yeah we'll keep them coming i love having these conversations i'm learning so much I mean, we keep going away and keep quote, <laughs> spilling out quotes to each other all the time and <laughs> things are changing the way, way we think all the time. We're always learning what we might think in this podcast is right, might change to the next podcast. And that, that's the brilliant thing. It's like we're all constantly learning. We're sharing what we're learning and we're going to carry on learning and passing it down to you guys. Excellent. Nicely put, Mr. Gem. Right. Well, that's it for this episode. We'll be recording another one soon. So keep those ears peeled. Cool. Take care. Catch you next time.